Hello, Rip City! To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this beautiful Sunday, the 18th of March. You are listening to the Podland Trailcasters. I am Keith Feltner-Smith, and here with me, as always, the daring, the dashing, the beautiful, and the bold, Brandon Goldner. What's up, B? Like wasabi when I bust rhymes with luxury and rhymes Because I'm all about value Bert Gamper's got the mad hits We try to match wits We try to hold me but I bust through Gonna make a break and take a pick I like a steak and egg and chicken like vanilla It's the finest of the flavors Gonna see these jokers and you know the vertigo is gonna grow Cause it's too dangerous you have to sign a waiver And if you want to sign a waiver Cause the Blazers have won 12 straight Then you can always reach out to us At Trailcasters on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter Emails definitely work Those are gonna be trailcasters at gmail.com Don't forget that we do have a website Simply Trailcasters.com, but the most important thing, and I always slow down for this one, is we want your five-star reviews, whether it's on the iTunes app, podcast app, Google Play, Stitcher, it does not matter. What does matter are those five-star reviews, which gets that in front of more people, and more people is more fun. Keith, can you please, for the love of everything holy, tell us what is on the docket for today's show? Lots more fun as always. On today's show, the Trailcasters are in the house. We have the Trailcasters here with us in the Trailcaster studio. That means you're getting a Trailcaster dual solo performance today. We will be discussing the new Blazers, the old new Blazers, Dame blazing his way through the West, and the hot streak, maybe even with some hot takes attached to it. Then, as always, in hot like wasabi. overtime, <laughs> hot like wasabi when you bust rhymes. That was beautiful, by the way. Overtime today, we'll be talking the playoff matchups and the Blazers finally getting some shine on the national uh, stage. And then we will go through last week's game. Next week's games and your listener questions. Now let's turn back to the Trailcasters meteorologist Brandon. How's the weather in downtown P Town? Downtown P Town is down for some clouds. Today we got some overcast. <laughs> Yesterday, I have to say, I played some disc golf over at Blue Lake in Fairview. It was wonderful. My favorite course in the area, although it's very, very difficult. A um, little easier in the winter because all of the brambly stuff isn't as grown in as it is during the summer. You will lose discs if you play at Blue Lake, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but it was dope because I went out early afternoon. And it was cloudy and it was kind of sprinkling. And so I played for a few hours. And then like literally as I'm driving back, it's just like, boosh, this like monsoon, like (laughs) on the highways. It was raining so hard that people were like having trouble driving. Like you couldn't see. So I totally missed that. Uh, But yeah, you know, it's cloudy. It's mid-March. It's what you expect. Uh, How's everything down there in far, far south of Portland? I always make fun of you for that. You're actually not that far. I'm, not that I'm sorry. Far. No, you're not. Um, but yeah, uh, it was good. Yeah, how are you doing? <laughs> you know what, man? I work in North Portland all week, and that's only like a 20, 30 minute drive in the mornings when there's no traffic at all. And if there's any traffic at all, it's over an hour. So I'm not that far outside Portland. Anyway, uh, it is going well. Oh, speaking well. of, I've... wait a minute, just really quick. Speaking of North Portland, like we got to get together and grab some food sometime. And I totally yes. want to check out this place. Have I said this on the air in St. John's? Homegrown smoker. Homegrown smoker. It's a vegan barbecue place. And if you're skeptical, if you like barbecue and you're skeptical, you go, oh, vegan barbecue, like, I don't blame you. I had some food there, and it was totally incredibly good. Like, and again, I'm a big barbecue guy. I eat meat. I enjoy it. But this is a great place to go. Homegrown smoker. Uh, If you want to sponsor (laughs) us or anything. I mean, um, but yeah. Now, hold on a second. Hold on. This isn't the Rip City Report here. We're not going to sit here opening the whole podcast (laughs) with food talk like certain, uh, certain lovely podcasters tend to do. Shout out to Casey and Joe. Actually, I am going to pull the curtain back. So we have our two lovely sponsors, <laughs> Edvy Adventures and Clearly Speaking, and we appreciate both Shout of you out. so much. 
I will admit that I had, if you follow me on Twitter at GoldnerPDX, you will see that I had a little, uh, did you did you catch any of this? I had a little escapade with my electric toothbrush. So Oh, I did. I did see this. Yeah, I know people love to hear about Brandon's electric toothbrush woes. So <laughs> g- give me 30 seconds. We had an electric toothbrush, bought it five years ago. It broke within two years. They didn't honor the warranty, but Amazon replaced it. So that was three years ago. It broke again. And so I did this whole thing, like fill out a warranty, like, oh, it broke. And they were like, oh, we'll give you 30% off a new one. I'm like, okay, like, that's fine. The next day they say, oh, actually, LOL, just kidding. That's only for people who live in the United Kingdom. Since in the United <laughs> States, we're only giving you 15% off. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, anyway, yeah, I saw. so I moved on. I got this crazy good, like, Oral-B, like, it's like a jet engine in your face. Like, it makes your whole brain, like, vibrate. Um but all of this, I was trying to get, you know how like Nate Duncan, the Dunked On podcast, they have a quick yeah. toothbrushes and one of the sponsors. Yeah, totally. I may or may not have slid into their DMs looking for a free toothbrush and that did not work. Do it. Um, oh, damn. <laughs> so I was, I was like, like hey. Yeah, totally. I was like, if you sponsor us and just give us a toothbrush. So anyway, uh, yes, we are definitely shameless with trying to get sponsors for the show. Uh, it's not free. <laughs> um, but yes, why don't we continue into our well, hold on. I, I okay. just, I just want to I just want to throw something in here uh, that when this podcast inevitably goes long, as it always will, I, I want you to re- <laughs> listen. I want you to hear this when you're recording later, or no, when no, you're no. editing through this. I want you to hear that this no, whole no, no, part. No. We opened with toothbrush talk after the downtown weather. We are we are only we are only at five minutes right now. So like the toothbrush talk was like a minute max. So I'm I'll take responsibility for a minute's worth of toothbrush talk. Let's move All right, on. Let's get these warm ups. Yeah, we got a couple warm ups here. We have both a son and a father. And I'll let you guys figure that out. The son <laughs> is Damian Lillard's son, Damian Jr. He is due to be born March 19th. Uh, that's coming up. Uh, that's tomorrow, isn't it? Wow. So that's tomorrow. That would be tomorrow. Um, the Blazers are playing the Clippers tonight on the 18th, hopefully going for 13 in a row. And then they're playing the Houston Rockets two days later. So, you know, Damian Lillard has said that when he gets the call, uh, he's going to go in to witness the birth of his son, and well, he should. So that means he might Absolutely. miss a game. Keith, what are you thinking about this? Uh, I, I know what your answer is. I'm going to ask it rhetorically anyway. Do you think it's okay for someone in the middle of the playoff hunt to miss a game to witness the birth of their firstborn son? Yes or no? Family first, my man. Family first every time. He absolutely has every right to skip out. At the moment it happens, or even beforehand, if he knows it's about to happen, he should be there with her when she's going into labor, uh, and especially when the son is born. I right, let's 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 ask this one. If uh, I was almost kind of thinking that you know, okay, so the the due date is the 19th. Uh, generally, from my understanding. A give or take a day or so is pretty normal and pretty, you know, kind of like run for the course uh, at this point. So I was almost thinking, okay, well, if there was a game that it could happen on, maybe it could have, you know, things could have gotten going last night. So he just wouldn't have flown to L.A. He would have come straight back to here to Portland and been here with her. Now, if if it hasn't happened yet, then, okay, maybe we can afford it best as a team. The Blazers could afford it best uh, if he had to leave for the Clippers game. But let's hope that it doesn't go late. Uh, Certainly are going to be able to especially if we have 13 in a row after tonight, would certainly be nice to have him against the Rockets. But all of that is certainly secondary. Damian Jr. coming into the world and Dame being there for it is uh, the most important thing. And just to say I agree with you, obviously witnessing the birth of your kids takes precedent. I don't care what your job is or what the stakes are. That's a one in a lifetime deal. And obviously he should be uh, he should be there. So I just want to make that clear. Um, now we talked about a son. We also wanted to talk about a dad or maybe a papa. Well, the We're father. speaking about new fathers already. I mean, yeah, Damian's talking about father. fathers. I mean, what Blazers about the have father? another new father? They do. The father of Giannis Antetokounmpo, Papa Giannis. He is signed I, yes. 
as a Blazer, Keith, you told me that you had some details about this signing. So could you give the listeners a rundown of exactly the kind of the timeline here, Papa Giannis, like how he got here and then he was signed to a 10 day and now he's signed for even longer. So can you give us, give us those sweet, sweet deets. I need those deets. <laughs> well, it's definitely interesting. Uh, so we talked about this last time with Mikey as well. Papianis originally was signed for just a 10-day contract, and when what we were saying with Mikey was that this was probably going to be something where he was mostly a practice body, a really big body coming in that could be used uh, for Myers and for Nurk and others to just kind of really get a feel, uh, you know, of what what we would need going against that that type of player. Now at this point, we didn't just sign him to the rest of this season, but uh, Jorgis Papianis is now a Blazer signed through the next season, 2018-19. Huge deal to him. He said it was one of the happiest days of his life. But this definitely kind of opens up the conversation from what we talked about last time with Mikey as far as what his real purpose is going to be here. Uh, it definitely makes it seem more like it's possible that he could be some other young prospect the Blazers are looking at, someone maybe just another kind of young big in the stable. Uh, again, as Mikey, you guys are going to have to listen to the last, uh, last episode to really hear what Mikey had as far as the rundown of his talent, but he does have some potential and he was pretty heavily scouted. There seemed to be a lot of teams interested in him, but there was also those weird signs where I think it was Utah just didn't want him attached at all to any sort of trade. So yeah, it could be up or down. What do you think? Well, I think it's interesting. We, like you said, we did talk about with Mikey on episode 28. You should check it out if you haven't heard it already. That the dude is only <laughs> 20 years old. He was a lottery pick in 2016. So the fact that he didn't get any playing time with a horrendous Kings team, the fact that nobody picked him up after other than the Blazers, I mean, that doesn't bode well, but he is only 20 years old. So you could look at this one of two ways. Either he has proven to be so ineffective and have so little ceiling <laughs> that even though he's 20, teams are like, well, to heck with it. We don't want to deal with it. You could look at it that way. You could also look at it like, look, like sometimes players need a new environment. They just need to get into a different system or maybe they just need to get into a different headspace. So I'll be honest, like I haven't watched a lot of Papayanis play. Have you seen him play very much at all? You're shaking your head no. So like I, I haven't seen him play, but I have seen uh oh sorry, I, I not not to cut you off here, but I have 33 games over two seasons in the G League for Papayanis. He averaged 13.7 points on 51% shooting and 8.6 rebounds. So G League numbers kind of resemble what Nurkic has been putting up for a lot of the season in the NBA. So I'm not saying he's on quite the same level, but there's kind of that similar potential uh, type of, of player skill set you could imagine. The only thing that I would say about that, just to temper, and I know that you're not saying that he's as good <laughs> as Nurkic. If Nurkic played in the, in the G League, he would get right. like 25 and 20 every single game. Nurkic has impeccable footwork. He's got a really soft touch. He can shoot. He can pass. So like, Anyway, I'm not, and I know that, again, you weren't trying to compare the two, but I, I, I don't know how I feel about this because, again, like to give up on someone so early for there to be no interest from other teams, that doesn't seem to bode well. But the dude is only 20 years old. Again, sometimes his people need a fresh start. So Look, that's what I'm hoping. One thing we've seen from Olshay as well, as much as we have hated on Olshay before here, we have to admit one skill he has shown has been picking up players on cheap deals and people that people that have kind of been tossed to the side by their previous teams. And have he knows how to shake those well couch beyond. cushions, that's for sure. <laughs> there you go. Uh, speaking of, the one other contract that we do have coming up here, Wade Baldwin. He was a two-way player for us with the G League, two-way contract. Uh, in 17 G League games with the Texas Legends, he averaged 18 points, four and a half rebounds, five assists, and two steals. And Portland has signed him to a contract to fill uh, our roster here. And I believe we are still also under the luxury 
uh, or the the salary cap, right? So we're not paying luxury despite signing these uh, these low roster guys. Yeah, I think that we saw from Bobby Marks, who is a cap expert. I'm trying to actually, I'm pardon me, Albert Namad, who's another cap expert. Um, he said that the Blazers currently project to finish the regular season about eighty thousand dollars below the luxury oh, line. Boy. Now this Kinda is close. assuming that Mo Harkless earns that well-documented $500,000 bonus for shooting above 35% right. from deep. If we look really quickly, so that's even if he gets that bonus, the Blazers will be just under the, the luxury tax line. If we look at how Mo is doing this year, uh, he's shooting 38% from deep, which is, I, I didn't even realize that. That's bizarre for how poorly he was doing for so long to start the season. It sounded like, it was looking to me like he wasn't even going to get anywhere close to 35% from deep shooting about 39% on fewer shots than last year. But all of this is to say, you are correct. The Blazers will finish the year under the luxury tax line, which I, there one thing to think about that, though. Uh, Eric Griffith, friend of the show, uh, who's on Twitter as Eric G underscore NBA. He did point out, though, that this is really only saving the owner of the team money. Right, right to get under that luxury tax line so well there, uh, there, there is the the one other part of it is the the repeater right uh it, once yeah. you i think are over the luxury tax a number of years in a row uh which this team with already two max players and probably going to have to sign someone else to a big contract eventually whether it's nurk or another player we're bringing in we're going to be over the luxury tax and so it's only going to get more expensive so why not set off like kind of delay starting that repeater tax uh, and that whole clock until we have to that's a fair point. I think Eric's point was that, for example, the Blazers sent away Noah Vonley for nothing, and mm, he yeah. was like, well, look, look, if if Nurkic gets injured and Ed Davis and Zach Collins have to play more, wouldn't you rather have Noah Vonley than, say, you know, Myers Leonard or Caleb Swanigan? Mm. I think that's a fair point. So his point is it's not that the luxury tax isn't an incentive for teams to shape their rosters in a certain way. I think his point was that the only consequence is the financial impact it has on the owner. The luxury tax doesn't mean you can't have those players. You know, it just means that the owner's paying more money. I think that that's, that's a fair point to keep in mind. But we have Damian Sun, we have Papa Giannis, and Wade Baldwin. But before we get on to the rest <laughs> of the show, we need to talk about one of our sponsors, Envy Adventures. So I've been riding high, high, so super high, as we talked about before on this win streak. This has been absolutely amazing. Not any other kind of high. I see the smile from you over there, Brandon. I know this is Portland, but Portland is absolutely just crushing it. If you want to get higher, even above this city and see it from above the clouds, you need to check out envyadventures.com. E-N-V-I-A-D-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S.com. Get the plural in there, adventures. You can go up there again and again, starting at only $99 per flight. $99 per flight. Make sure you heard that. Lots of options to choose from. The flights range from 20 minutes to over an hour. Get up there, enjoy the views, and especially now, I believe the summer hours have started, so they are looking at scrolling around on their website you can scroll down to the bottom to see their summer hours are 8 a.m to 8 p.m seven days a week check it out as soon as you can and one thing to say about that about envy adventures and like you said you can see portland you can see the gorge uh a lot of those trails in the gorge are not going to be open right i mean right now the only trail that's open right now is littoral falls and we had these reports of the forest service are rescuing people who are going onto these closed trails and they get stuck and can't come back so honestly like if we're not able to enjoy the gorge like we have in years past envy adventures is a great way to do that you get to experience it from a completely different perspective so yes i agree with you it is awesome you can definitely get very high at envy adventures that's <laughs> envi adventures.com 
when are we going out, man? When are we going out for a fight? I mean, I mean, we gotta. Honestly, we gotta get them to hook us up with some of those free flights. We know we're getting <laughs> millions of customers. Um, but we are back, and as Keith said earlier, we do not have a guest today because Keith and I are good enough, aren't we? Ladies um, and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Us. It's us. <laughs> we are the guests. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, let's start here. The Blazers are red hot and rolling. They have 12 games in a row. That's wild. I'm gonna leave the kind of the more of the specifics <laughs> to you, but I want to start with this. Keith, do you remember when the Blazers won 13 games in a row in the Brandon Roy era? Do you remember where you were when that streak was happening? Boy, uh, actually, I think I do. I remember when we were at the height of that, I was playing poker in the loft of a bar in Mountain Park, a little uh, bar called Hanko Sports Bar. We used to play poker up there, and we had a, um, a nice big TV going up top. Uh, now, the thing is, all of the TVs below in the main floor of the bar were about a second or two delayed from where we were. I don't know why we had the live feed when they didn't. Maybe it was just the way the network was run. But there's maybe 20 of us upstairs playing cards. And I remember when one of these games coming down to the end, we all start cheering. And you can hear everyone else be like, they, they're still waiting for it. They hadn't seen the shot yet. So it, was, it, it felt kind of cool to be the VIPs, but also kind of funny that everyone else in the bar is kind of hearing us and be like, oh, oh wait a minute. Oh. <laughs> That's right. I remember Corinne and I were actually living in a house where we had um, it was kind of off the beaten path a little bit. And so uh, I, I, I was bringing home newspapers from the Oregonian, I think, with the street hit like eight. Because remember, this team at that time was deeply under 500. So the fact that they were winning so many games is like a big surprise. I remember bringing those papers home eight, nine, 10, 11. It was wild. But now they're at 12 in a row. They haven't lost since the all-star break. It's the 10th time in franchise history that they have a streak of 10 or more wins. Let me ask you this, you know, CJ McCollum. And by the way, shout out to Keith. He does a ton of research for all this stuff. So I'm just like stealing all the good work that he's already done. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Uh, CJ McCollum was asked how many games would be a disappointment this season uh, how many wins would be a disappointment this season to finish at? He said 49. The Blazers, now they only need to go 7-6 and six in order to get to 50 wins. Keith, let me ask you, are the Blazers going to get to 50 wins this season, yes or no? Yes, yes, without a doubt. Still in all my talking points, by the way. I see what you're I doing. I so am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sharing the outline with you next time. No, I, I think we get there, man. We need to go 7-6 and six across the rest of the season. Uh, a lot of these are going to be uh, home games. We've got a pretty good, solid home record. We, we are facing a number of tough teams, and we've got Houston and Boston both coming up next week. But I well, wait know, a minute. I, I think wait, let's, let's talk about this really quick. Let's lay this out. So, so we have today. We have the Clippers. Tuesday, uh, Clippers, the Rockets. Rockets. Uh, Boston. Friday. Friday. Sorry, are you gonna? No, no, no. Go, okay, so yes, yeah, so fine. Let me let me carry on with my answer since you're asking me the question, stealing from my outline. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, Clippers, Rockets, Boston, and then OKC this week. Uh, Pelicans and then Grizzly that's kind of where the, the schedule falls off so we've got a tough run coming up if we can go one, two, three, four, five games there between Clippers, Rockets, Boston, Thunder, Pelicans. If we can go three and two across that, the rest of the schedule, I just don't see it as threatening. We've got Grizzlies, Clippers again, Grizzlies, Mavs. I mean, so right there uh, of those four games, we should at least go three and one. So if we, if we can just carry 500 across this tough stretch, this could really probably be the defining point. Like I think by the end of this week or next week, we'll probably know if we're reaching 50 or not. Yeah. And I wanted, what I was going to jump in there and say is that the Boston Celtics have not been themselves lately. They have injury concerns. So that's not really the yeah. Boston Celtics. Um, you know, the Grizzlies are terrible. The Mavericks are not very good. <laughs> 
And the Spurs are also not themselves because of injuries too. You know, Kawhi Leonard has not come back yet and may not be back. Um, so I don't know. Like, it is a tough stretch to end the season, but guess what? The rest of the West also has a tough stretch. But then on the flip side of that, you have nobody in the West is losing. We had a game today, the Toronto Raptors right. against the OKC Thunder in Toronto, and the Raptors did not win that game. And so, like, the Blazers are not getting any help from teams in the West, but... Then again, none of the teams in the we West do. are getting any help for the Blazers. I mean, they've won 12 in a row. We do have a little bit of separation, right? Where I think we're now two games ahead of fourth. And like you said, Boston isn't quite themselves. The Thunder haven't been themselves since they lost Roberson. Their defense has really kind of fallen apart. And I think that's been a lot of what that team was hoping for. Um, honestly, I'd say outside of the Rockets coming up, the Clippers or the Pelicans are probably the next biggest uh, like you know, intimidating game to me. I don't, I don't see the Thunders being that much of a threat. I just feel like we've kind of had their number recently. Anthony Davis, although he's more of a, he really scares me. And the Clippers, they're playing well. They've got, without Griffin, they've had uh, Tobias Harris. And I don't really, gosh, I can't remember all of a sudden who the other one they're really going through. But Tobias Harris has been looking amazing in L.A. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Those two teams are probably scarier than a lot of the rest of them. And then, yeah, we've got two games with the Grizzlies, a game with Dallas. The Spurs have kind of been falling off as well. So I don't know. This, this schedule that was supposed to be pretty intimidating going down the stretch is not looking that bad. Yeah, I mean, I still, I, I, it's tough, right? I mean, you're not looking at the Blazers extending the streak till the end of the year or anything like that. I do think that 50 wins is possible. There will be a point at which the Blazers come down a little bit, right? And they're going to maybe lose two games in a row. It's really about how they respond to that. But yeah, I, I'm feeling more and more hopeful they can get to 50 wins. Um, got to go okay, for okay. number so, 13. What's that? So, so of the 13 games left, they need seven and six to get 50. Where do you think they end at? Do you think they get yeah, seven to 10 or, ah, uh, that's a great question. I, I'm going to go optimistic. I think they get to 52. Um, cause I think there are going to be some losses in there, but I, 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 I mean, they, the blazers look good. And the thing is that the wins, they look repeatable because their defense looks so much better. I mean, that's really the, the big thing for me is the Blazers defense has really come come through. I mean, look, the Pistons are not chopped liver. They held them to 87 points. They held the Heat under 100 points. They held the Timberwolves under 100 points. They held the Jazz to 80 points during this win streak. So I don't know, like to me, it, it, the thing that is the most repeatable, the most consistent thing that you can do as a team is not the offense because shots will will bounce out. It's your defense, and that has looked so consistent that I'm feeling like this streak is, it feels less fluky to me than that streak right. they had during the Brandon Roy era. Of course, his team is much, much better, but yeah, I think they're going to get to 52 wins. What do you think? Okay, so when I'm looking at these final 13 games, the ones that I'm saying, if, if on paper, if, if it was just uh, played as is and nothing fluky happened, we've got two games against the Rockets. We can probably say those are losses, again, just on paper. I'm not saying we can't beat them, but just they, they have an edge over us. Uh, let's say maybe the Jazz game, the final game of the season. That could be a tough one, too, because the Jazz will be fighting for a spot. It'll mean a lot to them. They play a strong defense, like you were saying. So that's three games. Other than that, unless we drop one to Boston or Thunder or Pelicans or Clippers, I mean, you know, let's, it's possible that we win 10 of the last 13. How freaking awesome would that be? <laughs> it's possible. And the other Imagine, thing is, yeah, yeah I mean, that ahead, would be, that'd be wild. I, I think it's also possible, that, again, that it could come down a little bit, but... I don't know. Like, I, I'm not getting that sense necessarily yet. I mean, if if the offense really goes off the rails again, maybe. But, um, I mean, that's the other thing, too. During this win streak, the Blazers have scored 100 points in every single one of these games. They barely got there last night against the Pistons. But that's pretty right. impressive considering they had a run during the beginning of the season 
where, I mean, just listen to these numbers, 97, 97, 99, 99, 82, 102, 100, 81. So they had this run of games where they could barely even crack 100 or couldn't do it now. 13 that was games our in score a row. at the beginning of the season? Yeah, totally. Wow. Um, so at any rate, yeah, I'm feeling good about that. Something else we're feeling good about is our coach, Coach Terry Stotts. He's the best oh, and yeah. not quite the best as far as wins is concerned, but he is now the third most winning coach in Portland history. The win over the Pistons gave Stotts 266 wins. That is tied with Nate McMillan and only Rick Adelman with 291 wins and Jack Ramsey with 453 are now ahead of Coach Stotts. So Keith, let me ask you this as again, I steal all of your hard, hard work. <laughs> You're um, just taking over the, the narrator position today, huh? Yeah. <laughs> am I, I the mean, guest on the show? Is that what's going on? I mean, is this, uh, am I guest like, because I, I remember last week you had to leave early, or no, two weeks ago, you had to leave early and you made me uh, kind of give you the exit. Uh, okay, so that's what's going to come to you later. You got to give me the goodbye as a guest. Okay, so continue, please. Uh, that's ask fair. You questions. can tell people where they can find your, your work online. Host. Yeah. Well, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to ask you because Stotts is now, you know, he, he will be in third place by himself behind yep. Rick Adelman and Jack Ramsey, uh, just in, in, in number of wins. Do you think that that is an accurate reflection of the three best coaches in Blazers history, or would you mix up that order a bit? Would it go Ramsey, Adelman, Stotts, or would you change that order around, or what do you think about that? I think you got to keep Ramsey on top. Uh, just what he means to Portland, I think it's hard. It's going to be hard to... Uh, dethrone him even if Stotts can catch up to 453 wins and that's still quite a ways off uh Adelman as well has meant a lot to the to this franchise over time 291 is not that far away though I think Stotts you know feasibly we will be seeing that next year right next season Stotts could pass that number I do love that as of tonight uh most likely hopefully optimistically as of tonight Stotts will be alone in the third seed having just passed McMillan we talked a little bit pre-show on this Brandon but Nate McMillan was not really a fan favorite, I guess you'd say, as far as coaches have gone for Portland. He obviously didn't do poorly. He had he got a number of uh, wins in the six seasons that he was here, but he had some pretty good squads uh, working underneath him, too. So might not be able to give him all the credit in the world for that. I think that's a good point, because McMillan played a very important role with this franchise kind of correcting from the jailblazers era. Nate McMillan represented structure and discipline, right? He represented a new era of respect in Portland Trailblazers franchise history, again, coming out of that Jailblazers era. You know, remember Nate McMillan was Mr. Sonic. He played with the Supersonics. He was the starting point guard until Gary Payton got there. Then he was the coach for the Sonics for a long time, then came down to Portland. Um, and you're right. Like, he had some really good squads. He had the the Brandon Roy era Blazers. That was him. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge and Greg Oden for a brief time when it looked like the Blazers could become championship contenders. And boy, I mean, obviously, we talk a lot about what if Brandon Roy and Greg Oden hadn't gotten injured. But here's what I'll say about McMillan. And this is not revisionist history, and I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I did not like him as a coach. I just didn't. Yeah. I didn't like how they utilized the team. They were too slow. His rotations were too predictable. He was too hard on younger players. And I just, I mean, I feel like, yes, he got a bunch of wins, but he had some insane talent behind him. And yes, he meant a lot to this franchise as far as transitioning out of that era. But it was clear that, like, by the time he was at the end of his tenure, he had worn out his welcome, hadn't he? Right, yeah. Oh, and, and okay, let me tie this back in as well. I feel like... Uh... Like you're saying, some of the biggest criticisms of McMillan 
were the slowdown ISO ball and the lack of creativity. When Stotts first got here, I didn't know how permanent he was going to be. I wasn't sure if he was kind of a holdover. This was his third coaching position, right? It's the third time he's been a head coach here. and He didn't really have a lot of success in his previous two stops. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think some of the same criticism was starting to pop up too, where you'd hear talk that Stotts, while a great offensive mind, wouldn't vary his defense. He didn't have a lot of kind of uh, vari- variability or flexibility in his rotations either. So I wasn't really sure how far this would go. I think at this point, he has had a bit more of an impact on the culture in Portland, though. I feel like he's really kind of found a character with the team. He's grown a bit. I think we've seen him do things here that he might not have done in his his, uh, his previous tenor in Dallas as an assistant coach or previous uh, time as a head coach, I think, in Atlanta was the last one. Um, but either way, yeah, I, I think Stoss has grown as a coach. I think he fits Portland well. And how about this? Let me ask you, if he sticks around here many years in the future, Damon CJ love him. They're locked in here for a number of years. If Stotts makes it at least, let's say another three, four years ahead, how, how, how far does he have to take the team? How far into the Western conference playoffs do we have to make it or all the way to the finals before we can really consider him competing with either uh, Adelman or Ramsey for those top spots? I think he's got to at least make the Western Conference Finals, right? Because, you know, Ramsey won it all. Adelman got to the finals twice. Even Coach Dunleavy Mm. got them to the Western Conference Finals a couple different times. Um, I think Stotts has to at least get to the Conference Finals if he wants to be in that conversation. But, you know, anything could happen, right? I mean, Dame and CJ are still relatively young. They could be in their prime for a, a long time or a short time. We don't know yet. We can't see the future as much as I'd like to think that we can see the future. We definitely can't. <laughs> um, but let's bring it back a little bit to this era. Coach Stotts, uh, coach of the year. I have heard more buzz about Terry Stotts go. for coach of the year lately than I've heard all season by far. And I think that it's warranted. It's not just the streak though. I don't think so. You have, think about this around the league. I want to get your sense of who you think, who's your coach of the year so far, but think about this coach Stotts. You have Mike D'Antoni in Houston. You have Dwayne Casey in Toronto. And then surprisingly, you have Nate McMillan in Indiana right. working yeah, wonders. Right. right. And so I think that's pretty funny, but like, is there anyone else who should be on that short list for possible coach of the year? Um, add them if you think so. And then who do you think should be the coach of the year? I know we still have a little bit of the season to go, but do you think Terry Stotts has entered that conversation? I think Stotts is in the conversation. First of all, let me say about McMillan in Indiana, how nice of a fit is that? Like we were talking about what his style has always been as far as the slowdown isolation ball. And I don't watch a lot of Indiana, but I, I feel like just at least the mindset, kind of that put on the hard hat and go to work mind mentality that they have there really does fit McMillan as far as a coach. Um, they have climbed too. I know. I think uh, Indiana is what are they third in the East right now? Something like that. They're they're certainly climbing up, but I I think uh, I, I think D'Antoni is kind of doing what D'Antoni has always been known to do. D'Antoni. In, in, D'Antoni, oh, oh, excuse me, D'Antoni. 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 I love it. Yeah, that's great. That's uh, just that. Sorry. Uh, I was gonna make a doing... D, I was gonna make a D'Angelo <laughs> joke like, how does it feel? But I decided to just. Well, I guess I just did. Sorry. Continue. My bad. I, I'm. I'm just saying, Houston. I think I don't know if you can give the coach all the credit there. Uh, as far as what that team is doing, it's really Chris Paul and Harden. I'm not saying that he's not given any credit, but I'm saying when you have Harden and Chris Paul and the general style that uh, Mike D'Antoni wants to play, that is going to get you so far. I'm not saying that he gets no credit, but when you put him up against Dwayne Casey in Toronto, who 
arguably is doing more with less. They're leading the East. Uh, certainly, it's the, an easier conference, but the team has less there. Then again, you want to look at Portland up here, not just from a Blazer perspective, but from an outsider perspective, I think it's pretty easy to tell we don't have a lot of weapons up here outside of Damon CJ. For us to be climbing third in, a, in the most difficult conference right behind Houston and Golden State, I think that's that's something to say. We've got to at least be in the conversation the same way that we said Dame has to at least be in the MVP conversation, even if he's not really winning it, right? The pushback on D'Antoni not deserving a ton of credit is that nobody knew how it was going to work out with two ball-dominant guards and Chris Paul and James Harden, who, again, it, it's not just that they're, like, leaders of the team. They need the ball in their hands. How is that going to work? We right. didn't know. It's worked out so much better than anyone could ever have guessed. I think for that reason alone... You have to give Dan Tony a ton of credit because we have seen that that does not work in so many other situations. Let's think about some of the Blazers were targeting last summer, Carmelo Anthony with Damon CJ making overtures to Carmelo come to Portland. How has he worked out in OKC? Ball <laughs> dominant guard. Oh, we think that Olympic Mellow and Hoodie Mellow is going to come in and want to defer. Nope. He wants that ball in his hand still has not worked out as well as they'd well, like it to. OKC is good in spite of Carmelo Anthony, not because of him. And for that reason, I think D'Antoni does deserve a ton of credit. How dare you? And to be clear, if, if Melo had come to Portland, it would have been Hoodie Melo. Like, we would have seen a better version of him if he'd come up here. OKC is the problem in that case. And again, I'm, I'm not saying D'Antoni is a bad coach. I'm just saying you know what you knew what he was going to do when he got to he hasn't like you know reinvented the wheel there he hasn't had to be cre as creative as let's say Dwayne Casey or coach Stoss has had to be with uh having less to work with like you knew what he was going to be doing when he went to Houston yeah I I that's fair I still just want to disagree with you because it feels so good uh <laughs> but let's just say this Stotts is a really good coach and he is entering the upper echelon of Blazers coaches and he's a coach of the year candidate and that's all super dope let's move I on Keith, I want to argue over some bigs. I want to argue with you about some bigs. I know where you're taking it, but I want to I want to go uh, straight over to Nurkic. Okay, I think we've seen more and more from him. We've talked about him before. How he's kind of he's showing more of what we saw from him last season. Over the last two weeks, averaging exactly 14 points, 11 and a half rebounds, two and a half assists. So not the best on that end, but he's doing this all. Oh, and 54% shooting in 23 minutes a game. That has slowly climbed from what it was, but obviously it's not like the 30, 32 minutes a game that we would like to see from a starting center, right? Do you think he gets there? Do you think he continues to climb through the rest of this season, or uh, does he stick around as a Blazer in the future? Do we see a bigger role from him as a Blazer? I think the thing that you actually like seeing about his recent streak where he has played better, I actually like the fact that he hasn't played as much for two reasons. Actually, three. let's say three reasons. Reason number one, that means that Coach Stotts is trusting Zach Collins, who we can talk about in a second. I think that's a good sign. Yeah, true. Uh, the, the good reason number two is that that means that Nurkic is accepting that he does not have to play a ton of minutes and he's not pouting about it. He's not getting upset. That's also really good. And then reason number three, finally, you want your players to be fresh for the playoffs. Remember that Nurkic missed all but one game last year with that broken leg. The one game he right. did play, he was clearly not 100%. So if Nurkic is super fresh for the playoffs, that's really really good because he's had some monster games during the streak he had a 17 and 13 game 14 and 13 game 16 and 16 10 and 11 27 and 6 so he's had all these double doubles yeah and he has looked much better let me ask you this about Nurkic and his play as of late during this win streak are there one or two things about the way that he's played that have like particularly jumped off the page at you um that you've noticed that are really good things I can think of exactly two right off the top of my head. Good. Number one, <laughs> he is he is uh, 
he is rolling like a monster. Like when he gets in the pick and roll with Dame, mostly with Dame, sometimes with CJ as well, he rolls hard to the rim. And even when there's not a clear lane there, he just he doesn't seem to be, get impeded. Like he he gets there very quickly and smoothly. And number two, we've seen less of those flip shots. We're seeing him dunk. There was a I think a game earlier this week or maybe the end of last week where. He went up for a dunk, got fouled, didn't put it in. Even after the whistle's blown, he gets the ball and goes straight back up and dunks it down. Doesn't just kind of throw it up for a little layup or give it to the ref. He was, you can tell that he's focused on that. He's like pushing for it more. I like the drive. I like the energy. There's been stories as well from Jason Quick about um, usually Dame has been the gym rat, right? Dame is always the first one in, last one out. And Dame was saying that Nurk has been beating him into the gym by about half an hour or an hour on some mornings. As well as uh, there's been a lot of story about Nurk focusing on in-game shots, like we're saying, not just these kind of flip shots or circus shots that he's maybe a little more used to taking when he's uh, when he's learning how to play. Yeah, and just to look at the the dunks that he has taken. So, you know, last year he didn't play every game, but he attempted 49 dunks. This year he's attempted 48 dunks, and there are still some All games right. to play. Um, yeah, I think that that's a really good sign. You're right. Like Nurkic has talked about this. The rest of the team has talked about this. Dude, just dunk. Just you're so big. Just do it. Who cares? And we've seen particularly when he's kind of wide open, he was really apt to just kind of lay it in or flip it. in. now he's dunking them. And again, I think that that's important for a few different reasons. First of all, because it's more likely that if you get pushed or fouled, that you're going to complete the play if you dunk it. But then also it just pumps up the team. It pumps up the crowd. People want to see you dunk and they want to see you swinging around yeah. again. And like, I'm not comparing him to Greg Oden. And, but remember Greg Oden had some of the coolest dunks because he'd <laughs> yeah. swing up there and he'd swing his legs around. I just love to see it. So like, yeah, I think it's a really, really good thing. But we talked about Zach Collins. Let's talk about him a little bit more. Um, you know, he's done a lot for this team in ways that maybe don't show up in the box score. What do you envision his role being with this team moving forward? I mean, how important is it that the Blazers have a reliable backup center like Collins who brings different skills to the team than Yusuf Nurkic does? How important is that? What is his role moving forward? Okay, so it's interesting to me that right off the bat, you said backup center. And obviously, that's the role that we've seen from him somewhat this year. But even this year, we've seen a lot of him playing alongside Ed Davis. So not necessarily alongside Nurk. So he's still playing a backup role. But I would argue that when they're on the floor together, Ed Davis is playing more of the center role than Collins is. And Zach is almost more of the stretch four. I do think eventually, as he gets more used to the NBA, gets a bigger body, gets a, a better touch going, there, I don't see why we couldn't see him as a stretch four starting next to Nurkic. Uh, I don't think that also. I don't think that does anything as far as uh, negatively towards Chief either. I think this would move Chief down into three. Maybe Mo comes off the bench, or maybe it just gives us a little more positional versatility that way and gives us a little more depth. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not even sure if I. In the beginning, I definitely limited Collins to being a center in my mind, and we've talked before about how it was going to be uh, a lot of leverage possibly if Nurk was going to demand a higher contract this year. Uh, at this point, I'm not even really sure. I think he still could play that leverage role this summer, but overall, I'm not convinced that they couldn't play together and fit really well. I agree with you. I also think, you know, obviously with Nurkic, his contract is up. So he's a restricted free agent, which means other teams can make offers for him. The Blazers can decide whether or not to match. Uh, the Blazers could also just make him an offer outright and sign him. They're probably going to let the market dictate his value, but you know, we've heard a lot. I think we talked about this with Mikey or with some other guests about how Zach Collins' play 
should maybe be making Nurkic sweat a little bit if he thought that he could get more money from the right. Blazers and other teams that the play of Zach Collins might make him a little bit nervous. Do What do you think about that argument? Do you think that having Zach Collins play as well as he has been playing this early, does that make Nurkic expendable or does that change how the Blazers well, think about Nurkic's free agency? Well, like I was saying, I don't know if it makes uh, Nurk expendable. I, I think you could play the two of them together quite well. Uh, I do think it maybe gives you more leverage in saying to Nurk, look, we don't need to pay you this big contract. If you want to stay here in Portland, and we hope you do, hopefully you'll take a more agreeable uh, contract. Uh, what's the amount? There we go. I was going to say length, but length is not the issue. We want him here for a number of years. Just uh, the, the per year is the problem. It's really I, not the I length. That's how you use it, Keith. <laughs> okay, I want to circle back though. You mentioned uh, the team would probably wait and let the uh, market determine his value. Is that the best idea? Like, if, if we've seen before, we've done this to other teams as well as we've seen other teams, or like Brooklyn has done this to us the poison pill contracts, putting something out there that kind of puts the pressure on us whether to match or not. Isn't it maybe a better idea that they could try and work something out as far as? campaigning towards Nurk now, getting something going before the season ends, before the contract really comes up and saying, look, man, we all know what the situation is going to be. Let's just try and make this agreeable. Get you in here for get him, Like you said, get him to sign now. Just skip the whole market in the first place if he wants to stay. I'm sure that, you know, Neil Olshay and Nurkic's agent are going to be having discussions about this. I'm sure they're going to have a sense of where each side is in these discussions, and they're probably going to know kind of what the Blazers' first offer out of the gate is. I guess by letting the market dictate, I mean, like, you don't want to just overpay him for no reason. The, the reason right. why I don't think a poison pill is going to be likely this year is because the center market is pretty saturated. There is not really a need for centers like Nurkic who can't shoot from outside as much as there have been in years past. Plus, the salary cap situation, you don't have a ton of teams who are in position to spend a ton of money. So all of those reasons coming together, you know, this is not the summer of 2016. If this were the summer of 2016, Nurkic would probably be looking at getting a contract like maybe even like a Luol Dang or Evan Turner, 70 million, $80 million. Like that wouldn't have been out of the question. There's so much money flying around. This summer is not the case. So I don't see that being as big of a risk. I think the Blazers can be a little more prudent with how, with, with how they address these negotiations this summer with Nurkic and his agent. Well, I, I certainly hope so. I, I would love to keep him around for sure. I do want to ask you one more question. Yusuf got dunked on the other night by LeBron uh, during the Cavs, the Cavs game. Now, a uh, lot of this, like whenever these dunks happen, why'd you have to bring that up? About, no, because I, I have a point to get to here, I promise. The, uh, everyone brings this stuff up about, oh, you got destroyed. How disrespectful. It was just a dunk, man. It was two points, and it's, it's like not even that. It was a dunk we've seen LeBron do before. I am firmly in the camp. I would rather see a player defend, get up there, and try to get in the way of a shot instead of like just having your pride be the most important thing to you and diving out of the way like we saw Blake Griffin do last night, the, the dunk that Mo Harkless put up, right? Uh, or no, I think that was over Andre Drummond even. But we saw both those bigs of uh, Detroit diving out of the way so they didn't get dunked on too hard by Mo going up and Myers going up. Anyway, getting back to the one where Yusuf got dunked on and everyone talking about, oh, it was one of LeBron's greatest dunks. There was a poll out there for Blazer fans asking, how did you feel for Nurk about this after one? 41% of Blazer fans said they were proud of Nurk for defending. So they agree with me. The majority of the Blazer fans agree that it's better to defend the shot. Uh, results be damned. 36% said feeling sympathetic and 16%, only 16 said they were embarrassed for Nurkish. So I just want to say, let's get over this old mentality of that like dunks are so humiliating and 
end people's career and all this. It's dumb, man. Just play ball. Defend. I'm with you on that. I mean, obviously, that dunk was unbelievable. Obviously, you know, Yusuf Nurkic, God. rest in peace. We're going to have to oh, just have God. his have his ghost on the team because that obviously took his soul. <laughs> but no, I'm with you. And I, I tweeted it at GoldenPDX at the time where, you know... I, I, Obviously, you want to see people contest those shots. It's better that if your life has ended, that means that you tried. You don't want to be that person who's like scurrying out of the way of someone right. who's about to make a dunk. You want to at least try. And, you know, props to Nurkic for doing that. I think he took it pretty well. Um, yeah, that's what I, I'm with you on that. You want to see people try. You don't want to see people giving up. That's the opposite of what you want. Uh, you know, you want to win. The, it's the same thing, too. I mean, not to go on and on. I know we have to transition, but like when people have those shots right at the end of the clock, like the end of the quarter, end of the half, and they purposely hold on to it till the clock expires, like you could have gotten your team three points. Who gives a crap about your field goal percentage? Shoot the ball. Like right, that's that exactly. kind of thing I just I'm, I don't care for. But, you know, one thing I do care for, Keith, is you. I appreciate the hell out of you. Thank Aww. you for being a guest <laughs> on today's episode of the Trailcasters. I want you to, tables have turned, I want you to tell people where people can find your work and interact with you on Twitter. How can people get in touch with you? Well, you can find me at, uh, at Blazer247, seven spelled out, Blazer247. Oh, we got to do something about that Twitter day, handle. We've got to do it's something about that Twitter handle. It's a fantastic <laughs> Twitter handle. What's wrong with that one? You can also uh, find me occasionally, gosh, not as much recently. Shout out to Rip City Project, though. You can find me on there writing occasionally about things like uh, hating on Myers, some game reviews, some officiating. Uh, that's actually a piece I've got coming up right now. I'm working on something kind of summarizing some of the officiating problems and how the officials have had trouble with both the players and with 538.com and now with coaches like Alvin Gentry. But look for that soon on ripcityproject.com. Well, thank you to our guest, Keith. And before <laughs> we do anything else, we got a lot more to get to your questions, previewing last week, reviewing next week. First, we have to talk about one of our amazing sponsors, Clearly Speaking. And if you're like me, you care about what people think of you to some extent. I mean, you don't have to be a super egotist about it, but like, I care about how I look. I care about how I sound. Ah, that is important. How you sound to people does make a difference, and Clearly Speaking can help with that. Uh, Clearly Speaking is owned by Brenda, who is a friend of the show, and she is a certified speech-language pathologist, so she can help you find your best and most comfortable voice. Uh, we've talked about this a ton before, but really, it doesn't matter if you're a student or you're a professional or you're someone who is in a transition in your life and you're really just trying to get more comfortable in your own skin and with your own voice, that is something that Brenda can help with. Uh, again, you can check her out. Her website is clearlyspeakingoregon.com. That's clearlyspeakingoregon.com. And thank you, as always, to Brenda. We appreciate the support. Welcome back. It's time for the Trailcasters Overtime. First off, I want to oh, give a shout out here. Time. <laughs> uh, I just know you're good. I just mentioned, though, that you and I, Brandon, we both occasionally write for RipCityProject.com. I wanted to give a shout out to a new RCP writer, Sean P. O'Connor. He posted a piece a few days ago on RCP asking if Dame is possibly the best point guard in the NBA right now. Uh, points out that since the All-Star break, Dame has outscored all point guards and matches Curry on three-pointers made uh, per game 
Also, in big games, like games against top teams in the NBA, Dame has had nine of them so far this season, and uh, quote Sean here, leads all point guards with 32.1 points per game and 4.1 made three-point shots per contest. These numbers are even more impressive when put in context with his regular season averages. When compared to his full body of work, Dame adds 5.2 points to his average in games against top opponents, plus hitting nearly one more three-pointer along the way. Comparatively, Harden and Russ add about a point per game in big games. No one else adds anything. Harden maintains shooting from deep, while Curry, Westbrook, and Irving all hit less threes in big games than they do in a normal game. What do you think? Does this mean anything to you? As could Dame right now possibly be the best pure point guard in the NBA? No. No? You you disagree with Sean? <laughs> I'm with him, man. I'm, I'm feeling it. it. No, no, no. I, no. He's not. Look, look. Here's the deal. Damian Lillard's amazing. He's incredible. He's one of the top point guards in the game. He's one of the top guards in the game. The conversation, you can begin it and end it with Steph Curry. Here's why. No. Look at the Warriors when Steph Curry's on the floor when he's not. They have four all-stars. Even when they have three of them on the floor, they are not the same team. They could be missing Kevin Durant. They cannot miss Steph Curry because he bends the defense in a way that we have never seen before. That 2015 season, we've never seen an offensive season like that. We probably never will again, and Steph is not at those levels. But he can bend defenses in a way that other people can't. He makes his team so much better. He can drive. He can shoot threes. He's so fast. He's not the best defender, but he tries really, really hard. And actually, you could say Damian Lillard's been so much better on the defensive end this year. But... To okay, me, yeah. right now, right now, 2018, the the conversation for best point guard in the league begins and ends with Steph Curry. Come at me, come at me. Okay, so so you you pointed out the exact the the best part of what you just said there. Even Steph Curry is no longer the point guard that Steph Curry was in two, that 2015-16 season. But that's because was nobody was that point guard. Nobody ever. was. Nobody will. I, I agree with you on that. But I'm just saying, right now on the Warriors, as good as Steph is. I think if you put Dame in there, you could very arguably arguably say they would be even better. I think if you put Dame in Boston no in place way. of Kyrie. Yes. I, no. the numbers, look, again, look at Sean. If, oh. if you go on here. Oh, get your calculator out. Look at the numbers. No, I'm just saying. No if you way. look at Sean's article, Damian is performing better against big teams, and he's matching Steph. Since the All-Star break, he's matching Steph as far as three-pointers made per game. He's outscoring all other point guards. There, this this matches up, man. These numbers make sense. Like he is. If you looked at actual... If it was a uh, if it was a clean slate, if everything else on the board was wiped out, apart from the teams and all this kind of stuff, that the different pieces that they are playing with and the situations that are in in Golden State versus Boston versus Portland, Damian is putting up the best point guard performance in the NBA. I, I agree. I think no, John's he's got not. It. He's not putting up the best point guard performance <laughs> in the NBA. And props, Rip City Project. Uh, no, he's not. Look, Steph Curry is a transcendental otherworldly player when he's healthy he has been. when yes. he's healthy and even 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 the last couple years where he was not obviously at his 2015 16 levels he has still been transcendent he makes that warriors team exactly what it is which is the best team in the history of the nba by talent if not by championships yet i i am not a steph curry fan or a warriors fan by any stretch but there is no way that you're telling me steph curry's better or that Damian Lillard's better than steph curry that is not true that is well that well, you know what? That, that, that is what I'm telling you. So uh, I am so upset <laughs> right now. I don't know how to get over this. Well, okay, I think well, we're just we're gonna have to leave that one as is, and we're gonna have uh, to agree to disagree and just move on. You guys, everyone, go on to RipCityProject.com. Check out Sean's article. Welcome him to the team, and uh, and yeah, get in the comments and, and and tell him how right I am and how wrong Keith is, please, if you would. And mind. please write to the Trailcasters. Let them all, let us know <laughs> how right I am and how wrong Brandon is. The no! overtime topic that we have coming in here. Uh, just quick hit on this, Brandon. We've talked a bit about preferred playoff matchups already in previous episodes. 
but I just wanted to get your feel on it tonight. Uh, uh, we have the remaining games. We have home games against the Rockets, the Celtics, the Clippers, the Grizzlies, the Jazz. We have road games against the Clippers tonight, then Thunder, Pelicans, Grizzlies, Mavericks, Rockets, Spurs, Nuggets. Ten of these games are against teams over 500. Only, I guess, three of them are teams under. Definitely going to be a tough road. Still pretty packed in the West. We do have the lead. Where do you think we end up? Where do you want to end up in the, in the Western Conference? I, I'm sticking with this. It's too soon to tell, right? The Blazers are in good position. There are a couple games into the third seed. They control their own destiny. As you said, they have a tough schedule. Devil's advocate, so does the rest of the West. More devil's yep. advocate. We talked about how the Celtics aren't really themselves. The Spurs aren't really themselves. Um, I think it's too soon to tell. I think that home court advantage is becoming ever more likely. I would not bank on that. We have to wait through that stretch, like you said, the next four or so games will make that a lot clearer. But right now, I really think it's too soon to tell. What are your thoughts on it? I, I Nothing is decided, but I feel pretty good, man. I don't feel like we are... I don't feel like we are nearly a position to backslide as much as some of the other teams below us in the West. I feel pretty solid about uh, having home court advantage on it. Uh, more so than that, even, I feel like a lot of national analysts are starting to get behind this and kind of there's a lot more of a groundswell behind Blazer support than just the Blazer fan base here. The jump on ESPN did a NCA style bracket uh, single elimination tournament for the NBA playoffs. They took Twitter votes and basically had all the top 16 teams pitted against each other. The first round for the Blazers was against the 76ers. We were ranked number five, 76ers ranked number 12 overall. Twitter fans voted Portland uh, winning this one. That didn't seem that surprising with the, the rank, right? Five versus 12, more, more fans behind Blazers. Second round, we take on Celtics. Celtics listed as the number four seed over us. Twitter fans vote Portland again. So we made it just on popularity and kind of the fan and, uh, you know, Twitter, Twitter fan uh, poll. Blazers are looking pretty good on that end. And I got to say, you know, if, if the masses agree, how can you disagree? I agree that if the masses agree, how can you disagree? Unless you can disagree with the agreement <laughs> of the masses. And speaking of the masses, we have listener questions. As always, we very much appreciate your questions. Wait, 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 wait. I know we're trying to go quick and I know we're getting the listener questions, but bro, you got to tell me. Forget. OK, fine. You, you just want to skip over last week's games that, that we have a 12 game winning streak going uh, that Keith predicted again. <laughs> we're three. No, you went for that one, too. Just tell me how you think this week. We've got Clippers tonight, Houston on Tuesday, Boston on Friday. Do we go three? No again or two and one? What do you feel? Three and zero again. Let's just keep it. All right, three and zero again. Yeah, we're three and zero again. It's going to be a fifteen game winning streak after this week. Okay, on to listener questions. Please continue. Shout out to Mitchell Sports. Ah, yeah, uh, Mitchell Sports cards is again come through in the clutch because the prize this week it's a first issue Beckett. Again, I have a couple of those. Again, thank you to Mitchell Sports cards in Beaverton. Check them out if you like basketball cards as much as I do. And a Jared Bayless jersey card. I pulled that from a pack, so that's not something I bought. So it's got that extra kind of like luck of the Blazers in it. Um, as always, we're going to go to random.org, which is a random number generator, and to pick our winner. Uh, we won't do that until the end, but we have 15 questions to get to. That's why I'm trying to hurry along. By the way, that toothbrush segment at the beginning of the episode is only a minute long, so don't even blame me. In fact, we're going <laughs> over time again. The first question from Twitpire Strikes Black at R2-2 asks, how do the Blazers respond when they finally lose? Also, what, what do you mean when they lose? They're never going to lose. Anyway, how do the Blazers respond when they finally lose? Also, what do you predict their record to be over their next five games? Keith, we talked a little bit about this. What do you think? Well, uh, optimistically, I'm driving that train all the way to Optimism Station. I'm saying that Blazers go 5-0 and over the next five games, but we're looking at Clippers, Rockets, uh, Celtics, Thunder, Pelicans. 
I'm going to say feasibly we could still be going four and one or three and two is probably where it's going to like, okay, any worse than that is a disappointment, but three and two, okay, it's not the worst thing in the world with how good we've been playing. It had to come down at some point, but honestly, I wouldn't be that shocked for four and one or even five and oh, it could happen. It could happen. It could totally happen. I think, you know, I know I I said they were going to go three and (laughs) oh, excuse me, (coughs) got to edit that out. I know I said that I thought that they were going to go three and oh, um, I think that I think three and two makes a ton of sense. I really don't see them beating the Rockets. And also the game tonight against the Clippers, like you said earlier, the Clippers are a good team. Blazers are on the second night of a back-to-back. They have to travel to Los Angeles to do it. Um, when they finally lose, I think it'll be okay. I again I yeah. as we discussed earlier, they're looking very consistent and predictable with that defense. I don't think that they're gonna let the loss rattle them. So I'm encouraged. Uh, by how they've looked, and I, I, I'm feeling encouraged that they're not going to get thrown off too much when they finally do lose. So that's how I'm going to answer those questions. I'm with you, yeah. And as far as when they lose, I'm not going to be too broken up about it. We've had a great run here, and we are ending the season how we thought we would. We predicted the whole time 45 to 50 wins, and it looks right about where we're going to be. Question number two, Blazers equal love slash pain at Mitch Hanegod. Who wins the NCAA tournament, and why is it UMBC? And on the day of mascots, what is your guys' favorite mascot? Oh, that's great. Uh, so if you don't know, <laughs> UMBC is the University of Massachusetts and Baltimore County. Uh, the first 16 seed on the men's side to upset a one seed in the college, the NCAA tournament. That was incredible. I watched the last half of that game. It was a lot of fun. So here's the thing. Uh, yeah, they're going to win the whole thing, obviously. And it's the same answer on mascots. The the, the retrievers, that's who they are. The Their mascot is a golden <laughs> retriever. How could you not love that? Come on. You've got to root for the underdog, right? Ooh. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Perfect. Okay, anyway. No, yeah, it was, it's cool hearing the 16 and one seed. I am not, I have to admit, I am not a college ball follower at all, but I did hear about this story. Very cool. Also, shout out to the women's team. And I'm, forgive me, I'm suddenly blanking on what school it was that did it, uh, the, the previous 16 seed to beat a one seed. But yeah, shout out to the ladies. They did it first. Yeah, they definitely did. Next question from Rip City at. Well, it's at Rip City 503, but technically it's at, at R1PC1TY503. Uh, Two-part question, or well there's done. like a discussion in here. I'll just kind of blurt it out. Can Damian Lillard <laughs> keep up this high level of play in the playoffs when defenses tend to get tighter? Guys are stepping up, but are they reliable enough in the playoffs? And I'll just say there was a discussion at Jason Tinsley answered that he handles the double teams better and better. That's one of his biggest improvements, and having Nurkic also helps and Rip City ended up agreeing. But what do you think? Do you think that Damian Lillard can keep this up even in the playoffs, even when the officials tend to let more go and so defenses tighten up? Do you think he can keep it up? Yes, I think Dame is looking amazing. I think he has shown this year. He's uh, he's in the top 10 as far as drawing free throws as well. So it's not he's not gaining respect uh, on the overall scale of uh, relative relatively as far as other other teams and players, star players are concerned. I see him continuing this. He knows what he has to do at this point. He's been keeping it up for so long at this point. The only thing that would stop it, in my opinion, isn't getting to the playoffs. It would be if things just start to break down or if he just loses the support, the little support that he has from the rest of the team. If he doesn't get that, then maybe at a certain point, he just runs out of gas but if if the team can just keep doing their best and the role players can keep driving keep just staying motivated I think Dame can stay on top of it I agree because I don't think defenses can play him any tighter you have seen that as he gets hot that people really collapse on him and he's handled that really well so I don't really see that changing in the playoffs yeah he breaks the doubles and he gets free throws when he needs to man I think it's looking good next question coming in from Jason Pineda 
at Jason J. Pineda. Do we want to hang on to Mo? When he's on, he's, uh, he's a great piece. And let me throw in here as well uh, one of my nepotism questions. My dad was asking me last <laughs> night when we were watching the Detroit game, uh, who should Blazers prioritize, prioritize keeping between Chief and Harkless? So kind of the same thing here in my mind. I would say to Jason, yes, we want to hang on to Mo. When he's on, he is a great piece, and he certainly is a good uh, He's a good value. I don't think it's that much for the role that he's playing. But I would say if it came down to one of those two pieces, uh, Al Farouk or Mo, those are kind of our two-way wings. If it came down to having to give up one of those guys in a trade to get someone better, I would rather hang on to Farouk. He's more consistent. He is a, a stronger defender a little bit, and he's on a cheaper contract. So as much as I do want to keep Mo, he's one of my absolute favorite players, and I think he has a higher ceiling than we've seen from him. I am a little worried by the consistency thing, and especially with Nurkic being kind of up and down, I don't want to carry that many inconsistent players, and so he might just be on the fringe. Yeah, I think that's really a fair way to look at it. And the other thing that's amazing to think about is that Aminu is better off the dribble than Mo Harkless is, which again is incredible to think about because ah, Aminu has been such a mess historically off the dribble. He's gotten much better. He's now a threat to drive in a way that he hasn't been before. So yeah, I agree with basically all of your analysis on that. Next question. I, oh, I will say quickly, it. let me throw in quickly, the, the, that dunk last night from Mo, he faked a three, gets by the defender on a lean, and then just goes straight into it with this big right-hand hook dunk. That was amazing. And if we could it was. see more of that from him, it would be no question that I want him around. It, it, yeah, it was. I, to be clear, that was a straight line dribble. He didn't do any hesitations or right. anything like that. Yeah, so, that's true. But yeah, that was amazing. And I'm not trying to take any credit away from that. Next question from Shane K at Scroker24. Is <laughs> Clyde Drexler the best Trailblazers player of all time? For some reason, that the Scroker as one word made me laugh. I'm sure it's his, uh, his maybe Shane Croker is the full name since it's Shane K and S Croker, but Scroker as one word is a, is a good one. Is Clyde Drexler the best trailblazer of all time? Right now, you could argue that. I'm not, I'm, I'm not even going to say for sure because I think there's a lot of people out there that would point to Bill Walton and you know say, look what he did, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to say Clyde isn't the best blazer of all time, but how about one more hot take on this? If Dame does play his whole career as a Blazer, there will be no question that Damian Lillard is the best Blazer of all time. I think there definitely will be a question. It's going to be dependent upon the success. Clyde got to the finals twice. He was with this team for a long time. All of this is so subjective, though. Like you said, Bill Walton, some people think of him as the greatest Blazer because he won the title. He right. was an MVP. He was the finals MVP. It's Count all so subjective. It has to do with longevity, production, culture, and winning is probably the most important piece of this. Again, I think Damian Lillard is going to help his case if he makes it at least to the Western Conference Finals, if not further. We're going to do it. We got that coming at some point soon. It'll be there. I think in Damian's career, we are going to get at least to the Conference Finals. Uh, you heard it here first. Okay, next question coming from Justin at Bacon Suspenders. What was your first Blazers game? Like, who did we play? Did we win? And what age were you? I have a great answer to this. Uh, nice. I hadn't seen any Blazers games when I was a kid because I lived in Corvallis. They played an exhibition game at Gill Coliseum on Oregon State University's campus in Corvallis. I remember it really well. Um, it was incredible. It was a lot of fun. And after the game, I waited outside with a, uh, it was a, I think it was a 1999 playoffs red hot and rolling shirt which i still have in my closet because i got the autograph of my favorite blazer of all time keith who is that i know you know who it is 
That would be Brian Grant. Brian Grant. And I he so was... badly wanted to say Evan. Uh, I so badly wanted to say Evan Turner though, just to piss you off. You're so mean <laughs> to me. I don't understand. Brian no, Grant. It's Brian Grant. It was dope because he. A lot of the Blazers were kind of going right into the bus and like saw Scottie Pippen for two seconds and he left went into the bus. Brian Grant stayed and he signed autographs and it was it was dope. That was my first Blazers game. That's awesome. That's fantastic. And yeah, I, I'm I'm a. Uh all over your story when I don't really even have much of one. I did come to see Blazer games when I was a kid. Uh, when we first moved up here um, in the early 90s, I saw some of the great Blazer teams, man. I saw Drexler. I saw Porter. I'm, gosh, I don't even remember the year exactly. And so I, I feel like I even saw some games with Pippen up here. So I don't really... I have to be honest, my my real basketball fandom didn't start till I was older in college. When I was a kid seeing it, I just was never quite as attached to it. Um, but yeah, certainly saw some of the, the great Blazer rosters when I was a kid. I'll have to, you know, maybe we'll get my dad on here as a guest at one point. He can uh, relive some of the memories with us. He'd probably have a much better idea of who we saw and, and how we did. That'd be dope. I, Got a next question here from Timmy at Dub Me Crazy PDX. Over under 50 wins. Over, baby. We're getting over. We're going to do yeah. it. It's, not, yeah, it's only going to take seven. I'd say we get eight or nine or even 10 victories out of these last 13. We got this. Yeah, I'm going to also say over. Next question. We got a lot of them. The natural at a foster 13 strategy going forward to save injuries and keeping the legs fresh or don't change anything. What do you think? Minutes restrictions, resting well, you, people. You've heard us talk before about how I, at least it would be ideal if we could get Damon CJ to have a few less minutes per game. We've even seen LeBron with all the wear and tear that he gets trying to take even a few minutes off and what difference that can make for him. Uh, but he's also having a sit-out game. So in the long run, with how much we're going to rely on these players, I would like to see our guards get less minutes. On the big end, we do have a whole stable of bigs. And as you said, keeping Nurk's minutes down has kind of had this added advantage of getting to play at Davis larger minutes, not have to worry about it. playing Zach Collins more, even getting Myers Leonard into the game. So either of those strategies, if we can reduce Damon CJ's minutes somehow, uh, that would certainly help. But I, I do like that we're at least kind of keeping the bigs fresh because that'll help in the uh, in the rebounding department, which is going to be critical for us in the playoffs. I'm with you on that. And Damien has been playing decent numbers of minutes lately, but it's not off the chain. Like he only has one 40 minute game in the last 15 or so games. And when you scroll back, you only see a, like a, a couple other Remember the days Allen Iverson would play like 44, 45 minutes a game. It was right. wild. Those days are long gone and not going to come back. I think that's a good thing. Uh, Next question from Michael Bruhan at the official MAB. If you could put any player alongside this current roster, which would be the most logical choice and why? I'm going to restrict this question to Blazers <laughs> players. So not. Oh. <laughs> All right, never mind. Do whatever you want. LeBron whatever James. Want. <laughs> LeBron James. LeBron well, James yeah, to Portland. Mean, see, that's it. That's what makes it so easy. Obviously, you pick LeBron yeah. James. Like I don't know. So. No, you're right. Okay, Blazer player though. Uh, best Blazer player. Who would you put? What Blazer would you take along the current roster? I would love to see Bill Walton on this team. He was one of the first Oof. unicorns. He could shoot. He could pass. He could play defense. Boy, I don't know. That'd be really, really fun. Healthy Bill Walton. Oh, okay. But again, we've got healthy centers here. We've got healthy guards. We've got talent on both ends. What's a what's a blazer wing? If we could take one blazer wing that you can think of, who would you take that's an uh, outside shooter, good defender? Who comes to mind? I mean, Clyde. I mean, again, that was like kind of before the three-point era really clicked in, so couldn't really shoot from deep as well as you might like him to. Uh, you could maybe say like a healthy Brandon Roy, but he wasn't like the best on defense necessarily. I feel like Clyde is a better defender than, than B Roy. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm sorry. I'm going to stick with Walton. You're going to don't tell me what to do with my choice. My, <laughs> my choice is my choice. I'm going to go with Bill Walton. 
Well, I think that's a good uh, historical answer. I'm going to say someone a little more recent, and this might, I know people are not necessarily going to agree with this, but I am still a huge Nick Batum fan, and I feel like if we could go back and have him on the roster, think think of what we need so desperately from Farouk and from Mo Harkless, and I see you getting close to the camera trying to stare me down for that answer. <laughs> <laughs> but look, we need Mo Harkless and Farouk to perform at the top level they can each and every night. Part of the problem with them has been consistency, and I know Batum had that same issue, but what Batum has been doing in Charlotte, if you could have him playing like that here i feel like he would really fill like the biggest gap that our roster has i am typing into our little bullets for when i release this episode <laughs> batum over walton question mark question mark question mark uh another question here from the beardiest at the underscore beardiest which team would you prefer the blazers face off against in the first round of the playoffs we talked about this a little bit before. I think uh, the one of the, it would be great to see OKC. I don't think the Spurs are going to be that much of a threat. I think the least, uh, the one that I want to see the least is probably the Pelicans. I'm not that afraid of any of the other teams that we're really matching up with. Interesting. I'm still afraid of the Spurs. I would like to see either the Timberwolves and Nuggets, two teams that don't have a ton of playoff experience. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, give me the Timberwolves because you know Tibbs is going to play Derrick Rose and everything's Tim- going to go to shit. <laughs> Timberwolves would be a good one. Yeah, I think that would be an easy one for us for sure. Next question from Taylor Harrison at the Tower 51. Who is the best player to play for both the Blazers and the Pistons? Uh, We talked about this a little bit. I'm going to go with probably Bill Walton and the Pistons. I mean, Isaiah Thomas, I guess, is going to have to be what you think of there. What do you think? Well, I think the question he's asking is who is the best player to play for both the Blazers and the Pistons? Like who played for both oh, teams? Rashid Wallace. In which case, then. the only answer is Sheed. Yeah, no, it's got to right. be Sheed. No, and like by the way, like shout out to Sheed. He he, you know, a little bit malaligned in Portland. Always very talented. Goes to goes to Detroit. Critical part of their championship team. Uh, so shout out to NBA champion Rashid Wallace. Next question from Joe Cooney at Too Much Tuna 83. Too Much Tuna. There's no such thing as Too Much Tuna. How many licks <laughs> does it take till you get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Tootsie Pop? That is literally the question. I need a number from you. How many licks is it going to take to get to the center of the Tootsie Roll of a Tootsie Pop? A one, a two, a three, a three. <laughs> you forgot the crunch in there. <laughs> Two, three, three. Um, I'm going to say how many licks? 862 licks. Test it out. I'll take the over. Okay, next question comes from old Toby at Jitly June 4. J-T-L-E-J-E-U-N-E-4. Gosh, I don't know how you say that one, but I did my best. How long will Dame's three-pointer made streak go? Just for reference here, he hit uh, against Detroit. Last night, he made it to 51 games in a row with a made three. Brandon, how far does he go? Great question. It's so hard to see it ending ever, which is not a good answer at all. Uh, he, <laughs> he did only go one for eight against the Cavaliers. He only went three for 10 last night against Detroit, which means he's due for a big game from deep. Yeah. I don't know. man. I mean, could it go to 100 games? I'll say 100 games. Why not? I mean, it, 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 he shoots so many threes. Um, you know, he shoots, what, I don't know, eight, eight a game, something like that. So I just, I see it going for a long time. So I'm going to go with 100. Okay, so let's see. He's at 51 right now. End of this season would be another 13. So that's at 64. Uh, add on maybe, let's say, another 14 games. If we make it through two rounds of the playoffs or something like that. So, so that, he's up I'm going to say least... 16 games of the playoffs. All of them win, sweeping to the title. 
So there you go. <laughs> so, so, but I mean, if we get into the second round, he's got near, around 70-ish games this season that would be made threes. And next season, he's going to come in fresh. So yeah, there'd be no reason that it doesn't continue at least into the hundreds. So I'm going to say Damian reaches 152 games with, with a made three in a row. Woohoo! Next question Good from uh, hashtag Rip City, hashtag Draft Lamar at Bolts Blazers fans. <laughs> Better blazer, Rudy Fernandez or Gerald Wallace? Oh, no question, Rudy Fernandez. Look, Gerald Wallace, I don't think was a bad guy at all. I, I've heard that he certainly was a, a, a team player, but he came in here on the end of his career, not in his prime. He was never really the three-point shooter that I think he thought he was. We never really saw a crash as much as that uh, the, the crash that he was known to be. Uh, Rudy Fernandez, though, he brought fire and passion. He worked so well with the Spanish connection, Sergio Rodriguez, when he was up here. I loved Rudy, man. I, I think uh, Abby actually has a Rudy jersey in the closet. Well, which one of those players directly led to us getting Damian Lillard, though? Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah. So I would, I would still argue that Rudy is a better blazer and Gerald Wallace is a better trade piece. <laughs> I would say Gerald Wallace died so that we could have Damian Lillard. Remember that the, <laughs> what happened, the Blazers basically traded Gerald Wallace right before he fell off a cliff to the Brooklyn Nets yeah, right. for the pick that became Damian Lillard. So shout out to Gerald Wallace. Last question from Calvin Davis at C underscore Davis 82 Western conference finals or bust. Who is the unsung hero that has to step up come playoff time? And no, Keith, the answer is not you. It's not you. It's gotta be someone on the team, but who do you think? It's definitely me. Uh, I'm the I'm the assistant <laughs> coach. I'm in the 300 level. Uh, Western Conference Finals are buzz, baby. Let's do it. It'll be so amazing. And it's not impossible. We've seen things already this season, how much injuries have really played a factor going into the playoffs this year. Imagine what could happen. The Warriors are dealing with injuries right now. The Rockets haven't really yet, but pretty much every other team outside the, outside the Rockets and the Blazers, every other team in the Western Conference playoff race is dealing with major injuries to one of their major players. So there's nothing that says that we couldn't have luck just kind of line up and kind of things fall into place for us. Let's make the Western Conference as far as an unsung hero. Oh, go ahead. Are you going to chime in about that? I was just going to say, do you, th do you think that it's Western Conference Finals or bust for this team? Do you think that that's the only acceptable outcome from the season? Oh, oh. No, no, definitely. I, I think I think a first round exit would be a disappointment. I think if we show up well in the second round, that's about, you know, what some of us expected and others would hope for. Anything past that is icing on the cake. And remember uh, that really as, quick that the Blazers have to go through either the Warriors or the Rockets, assuming that they right. win their first round matchup. So, yeah, Western Conference Finals looking very difficult this year. Who would you rather face, Warriors or Rockets? Want to get there? Uh, the Warriors have been beat up. I don't know. Yeah, uh, right. At full strength, I'd rather see the Rockets, but as currently constructed, I might prefer to see the Warriors, which is weird to say the Blazers end up playing them well, usually too, right? So I don't know. Yeah. Well, and it, and it makes sense because Damian is the best point guard in the NBA over Steph Curry. So uh, oh as far as who is the... <laughs> I'm going to get so upset with you. Sorry. <laughs> who is the unsung hero that has to step up come playoff time? Uh, let's let's hearken back to Mo Harkless here. I oh, think I was going to Really say gotta... let's do one do three and say because i was also going to say more oh were you really okay cool at least we agree on i mean yeah we've seen more consistent production from aminu we've seen nurk really turn into what we hoped nurk would be ed davis zach hollins are showing up how they've they've been consistent when they're on the floor i think mo harkless is the one where if he comes out flat it's a it's a flat tire for us it's something we, we were expecting to help us keep going and it just doesn't work if he comes out firing though if he looks like he did last night in the beginning of that detroit game man i'm not putting a ceiling on it it could happen
It's a great answer. Or Papa Giannis, either one. Now, that is, those, those are all of our questions for today. Remember, you can ask us questions at any point during the week, not just on Sunday, at Trailcasters on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, trailcasters at gmail.com. But we're going to go to random.org to see who the winner is of that first issue, Beckett, and that Jared Bayless jersey card entering minimum one, maximum 15, hitting that generate button. And the result is 12. Number 12, that's Joe Cooney at Too Much Tuna. You can never have too much. Congratulations, sir. never have too much. Congratulations to Joe, and thank you all for your questions every week. That is what makes this show even more fun because Keith usually has to put up with me, and that's boring. But thankfully, (laughs) usually we have a guest, and we always have your questions, and thank you all so much for those. We really, really appreciate it. Yes, we do. And as we're wrapping up, Brandon, I feel like I'm hearing those beats, so those lovely sounds. Tell the listeners where can they get in touch. Send us the questions for next week. Very lovely sounds indeed. We always are very appreciative of the man, Odar. He produces our intro, our media and outro beats. You can always find his work at soundcloud.com slash Odar Beats. Again, you can catch us at Trailcasters on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Email us, trailcasters.gmail.com. Check us out at simply trailgasters.com. And remember the five-star reviews on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever else. We love your five five-star reviews and Keith I love you and I also love the outro so can you please get us all the way out of wherever it is that we are in closing your honorable listener that's it that's our show thank you Brandon as always love you too brother thank you Odar for the fat beats thank you Envy Adventures thank you Clearly Speaking and thank you us for joining us on the show thank you listeners (laughs) for a great listening and we hope you enjoy your Blazers your Rip City Basketball and our latest episode thank you again and please come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcasters <laughs> beat LA! Beat LA! Oh, yeah. Beat LA! I so hope that we beat LA so badly. Ready? Time oh. for a wardrobe change. We're going for it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Keith is shirtless right now, and we are Patty's definitely. Day st- is over. We are still recording. Patty's day is over. I'm looking Long at a bear man's chest, and now he has a beat LA! Beat LA! Beat LA! <laughs> 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 Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>